Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hi, Emma. It's so nice to see you again. I had a lot of fun during our our Instagram live that we did. Listen, if you're not having fun, you're doing something wrong. That's how I feel. I totally agree. (laughs) We had an opportunity on on Instagram live to talk more about like mental health and wellness. And today we're going to be diving in specifically to teens, to youth empowerment through songwriting. Yes, which is my love language. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I'm late to you. Welcome to Wit and Reason, hosted by psychologist Dr. Alexis Moreno. Dr. Moreno brings her expertise to providing smart and practical explanations on human behavior. Listen now as Dr. Moreno brings a little bit of positive mental health to your day. What are you observing now with today's teens? So it's interesting because I grew up in another country, um, which is culturally very similar in, in many ways, but in in a lot of other ways, it's not similar at all. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's, you know, if I was to look at the teenager from 2015, 2016, when I first moved to the States, you know, the, the teenager in New Zealand, um, a lot of what I was working with back then were young people who were still grappling with social media. Again, this was seven years ago, though, so that was like Instagram, Facebook. Yeah. Um, we didn't have the influence yet of TikTok or Reels or um, LinkedIn. I don't know if Tina, no, 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 not LinkedIn. Twitter. Uh, what's that? Uh-huh. Um, no, uh, it, the Be Real, the Be oh, Real um, yes. app that's just come out, you know. Yeah, we weren't sort of trying to grapple with those new things. Mm-hmm. But the 20, the 2015, 2016 teenager, I think the a big part of the struggle for them was the dramatic shift that the technology era has introduced into the world and in society to the point where 
parents are no longer able to reach their kids as easily as they once might have been able to. And because of that, there's like this cognitive dissonance more so than in previous generations where we're not able to like connect as easily or even understand because the algorithms that your 13-year-old's TikTok is showing them is vastly different from the algorithms that you're getting, right? right? Right. And so there's a lot of presumptions that are made. There's a lot of fear-based media that gets pushed down our throats through these social media, um, you know, uh, formats as well as through just normal everyday media. So that's part of it. Living in the States now, however, it's a whole new breed of teenager that I, that I grew up with because, you know, while New Zealand is incredibly diverse with Pacifica and Southeast Asia, here in the States, we have, especially in DC, we have a huge Hispanic population, Ethiopian, Eritrea, Black American, um, white, whatever breed of white you might be or ascribe to, um, that there's just further complications and I think to take that even one step further it's not just about race it's also about um, systemic um, issues and about economic disparities and inequalities um, that I just didn't again grow up with so the teenager in Washington DC for example can be very different if you were in southeast compared to if you're living in Palisades. You know, they're just completely different human beings. And, and, and therefore, they have different types of trauma. Now, that's really key because I want to really hammer home that we all experience trauma, but we all also wear trauma differently. So, like, when you look at, um, you know, a family who's, who's um, you know, a Black American family, for example, generally speaking, what you'll often see is um, turning to humor as a coping mechanism when it comes to anything negative or difficult to deal with, whereas um, other communities may not feel as comfortable to turn to that um, as a coping mechanism. So I think to go back to like the very the very simple crux of the answer to your question. The everyday teenager in the United States wears trauma very differently depending on where they are, but that's not the focus. The focus that I want to make is that because we all wear trauma differently, we need to respond to each trauma uniquely and differently looking at the teenagers for where they are, who they are, and how they show up, not at the actual symptom of trauma. Right, exactly. And and what you do in your work, songwriting to empower youth, is a very unique type of strategy and intervention and response, really, to trying to work with youth. And so I'm curious, what is that process like for you when you are working with a with youth, especially those who are presenting with um, some form of trauma response, how do you navigate that with them and what's your approach? So the first thing is like, it's a judgment-free zone, right? Art is art. 
and it's beautiful and it's expressive and it's honest and it's authentic and it's vulnerable. And so it's really important for me to honor that vulnerability and honor that authenticity without being a guff because, oh my goodness, you experienced this thing that I can't relate to. That's not helpful. What? Yeah. <laughs> no, no, that's way more isolating. Right. 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 Um, so it, it's my, to go back to what I said before is like, in order to empower, effectively empower a young person or an adult for that matter, yeah. we need to look at the individual as an individual. And that's why songwriting can be so beautiful and unique is because it's an authentic representation of the human. Yeah. But that authentic representation of my autonomy, my authenticity, my story, my my being actually cross-relates to a whole range of other different humans. You think back to like, I don't know, when you were a teenager, yeah. any songs you used to listen to, I know yeah. that, you know, for today's adult, Adele songs just hammer the heartstrings. Break, um, you know, what's his name? Uh, I just watched a film by him um, that I'm completely forgetting the name of. Um, but the, what's his name? His name is, Enter, he just opened a song called Enter Galactic. Um, Kid Cuddy. You know, when you look at people like Kid Cuddy, where his music, his trauma, his stories are his, but they're able to be understood and digested by a variety of humans, whether or not you grew up in the streets of New York City or, you know, in your healthy, quote-unquote healthy, yeah. um, two-person household, whatever that looks like, you know what I mean? Um, so my approach is to help young people recognize the value of their stories Recognize that their uniqueness is part of their superpower. Their struggle is also part of their superpower. I mean, let's be real. Batman lost his parents before he became Batman. Right. Superman was sent to to you know you know to to the earth because you know his planet was exploding. Like every superhero experiences trauma, mm-hmm. so why don't we look at our own trauma as like the catalyst towards creating our theme song? Reading our song of overcoming, and then who knows, maybe your Superman or Superwoman story will then, you know, inspire other people in your realm to join forces with you, to be encouraged, and to just support you. Because at the end of the day, music is a universal language that connects people. And you have previous coaching client who did just that. Um, yes. You worked with this person to write the song and then all the way through to mis- music video? She was my second client. Um, and we literally wrote a song a week for, I don't know, 12 weeks. So we wrote an album together, which she actually recorded the album. Um, and then from there, we took two of the songs and recorded them. Uh, we made um, music videos from them. And using the album... And the music videos together, 
she was accepted into the Liverpool Institute of Performing Arts to work with Paul McCartney and some other incredible professors over in Liverpool. Wow. Beautiful work. And you're clearly passionate about working with youth. Both you and I bond over our values around prevention and trying to serve and support as many people as possible. That's such beautiful work. And you're clearly passionate about working with youth. What is it about teens that you feel so connected to, to the point where you want to dedicate your services and songwriting to working with them? That's a great question. Um, and I, I feel like I, I need to answer that in, in layers. Yeah. You know, so my, my personal story um, sort of began when I was super, super young. I had my first brain surgery when I was four months old. Um, and by the time I was 10, I'd had 10 brain surgeries and 24 surgeries in total. 
Um, but from my from my perspective, like music and songwriting was always that lens through which I could express myself and sort of overcome the adversity, sort of make sense of it and the words sort of thing. But for my peers who hadn't really, well, none of my peers had had brain surgery, let's be real. Thankfully, um, you know, they, they found it difficult to really understand that side of themselves. But it wasn't until, you know, age 12, 11, 11, 12, 13, that their kind of emotional wonkiness started showing up. I'd always had this emotional wonkiness, um, but, you know, everybody else kind of caught up um, and started lashing out, expressing themselves in unhealthy ways around the age of 11, 12. Now, I need to preface that I am 34, um, and so I am a millennial, and I recognize as such that it's really easy to look at my age group and the age group of Generation C as like they don't know any better. But let me be honest, the 11 and 12-year-olds that I was around when I was growing up, and it was still before social media, were still acting out in ways that were incredibly damaging and provocative and um you know it, it, in, in ways that i think a lot of us try to pretend don't actually happen right. um, and i think it's only gotten worse to present day because of the advent of social media et cetera, et cetera. however you know so so my own experience is watching my peers um express themselves in unhealthy ways kind of led me to this point but it wasn't actually until i was 19 um, when, you know, by the age of 19, I'd already lost, you know, some, met various people to, um, unaliving themselves, um, and to mental health issues and struggles, to drug overdoses, to health complications, you know, a lot of, a lot of trauma, um, happens with our young people. And again, my peers did not have healthy ways of showing that. So I distinctly remember that when I was 19, when my, um, at the, at the time ex-boyfriend, um, I just received news that he'd unalived himself. Um, you know, I, that was when I was like, you know what, we're so focused on fixing problems that we don't look at the root cause of the problems. Yeah. And if the root cause start at the age of 11 or 12, I want to do everything I can in my power. Again, I was 19 in New Zealand at the time. Did, you know, didn't quite know what, what that would look like, but yeah. if I could do anything to help prevent that from happening again to anybody, I wanted to, to do that. Um, at the time, I was a full-time, you know, teacher and musician, vocal teacher and a musician. Um, so, I like, that was kind of the, the lens through which I wanted to do the work but you know now here we are in 2022 and mm -hmm. things have changed and the world has changed my you know and and how i want to help has just evolved significantly but that the focus of looking at the root cause teenagers and how we foster their mental health has never wavered you mentioned what you observed in your youth which is as a millennial that's so amazing. And it's such a unique approach, too. And I'm wondering, like, when you work with youth, 
Is it their parents that connect you? And then once you're sitting down with them, is this something that they're motivated and willing to do? Or does it take some buy-in for some of the teams you work with? I get a lot of parents who come to me and then, you know, you know, really resonate with my story and what I do because they remember their teenage years and how difficult that was. And yeah. obviously looking at raising a teenager in the 20s, the roaring 20s, right, um, is difficult. Um, so sometimes that happens and then it's, it's a case of trying to figure out, okay, does this teenager actually feel comfortable with me? That's part of it. The other, other parts of it are, you know, I often, um, teenagers I work with will introduce me to their friends or their friends will see the creations that they're making um, and then be like, oh, oh, I want to do that. That sounds cool, you know, or rather that sounded dope. Um, yeah. <laughs> like, you know, I still national, think cool, cool still having, listen, <laughs> it's an evolving language, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, so that, that's, you know, that's part of it. Um, other, in, in other rounds, I like, you know, I, I partner with an organization called Story Tapestries yeah. that also puts me in, in, in schools or in, um, summer school camps or whatever, um, to work with, with youth on a group level. Yeah. Um, you know, and so that's a whole different approach as well. And that, that is quite beautiful because it means that I get to access groups of kids at a time that may not otherwise be able to access exactly what it is that I do. Right. But at the end of the day, it's all about helping young people to recognize the power of their voice yeah. and the importance of their voice and their story and how that actually can connect us as opposed to separate or ostracize us. Yeah. And how long is a team typically working with you? So typically speaking, I have six, eight, and 10-week programs. Yeah. The six-week program is literally, we meet for an hour a week. You have access to text me and voice memo me and whatever um, throughout the week. But we meet for an hour of concentrated MFG time. Yeah. Um, and then during that hour, we write a song. Um, and typically speaking, we complete the song within the hour. Oh. Um, but if they want to do the eight-week program, we can then take one of those six songs. I can take it to the studio and we can actually record it professionally. Very cool. And then if that's not enough, mm-hmm. there's a 10-week program, which then not only gives you the opportunity to record the song, but also make a music video from it awesome both you and i bond over our values around prevention and reaching and trying to serve and support as many people as possible and similarly you also find it useful to not just work directly with the youth but then also the people that are so impactful in their lives their teachers their parents adults and their lives particularly in the workplace as well because if we're not in a crappy workplace, we're going to bring it home. Like that, that's, that's just such a common experience. And then the kids get the crap end of it. And so that's something that you're also trying to address as well through your work. Yeah, I mean, when you think about it, historically, even up until maybe five years ago, yeah. there was such animosity towards the concept of therapy, mm-hmm. right? Mental health, excuse me, mental health is 
a relatively new trend, which I love. I know. But I, um, you know, I mean, my, my own mother is a counselor, um, has been a counselor my entire life. And so, you know, I've seen people respond to that in a variety of oh, different yeah. ways. Yes. Um, but if we once lived in a world where therapy was not something to be celebrated or even respected, then it's not just a matter of looking at organizational mental health and wellness, but it's also recognizing that, you know, no organizational business is an organizational business without its people. And if its people aren't healthy, happy, well-rounded human beings, and those people didn't have that, you know, mental health and support at when they were coming up, um, it just makes sense that the organization may not thrive as well as it could. So one of the things that I've been really enjoying um, as, you know, especially since my TED talk dropped recently, um, is the opportunity to help organizations facilitate workshops and like team building with a difference um, where, you know, individuals are able to come together, express themselves and their different ways of overcoming trauma or, or even just putting words to that trauma um, and just like recognizing the humanity in their coworker, yeah. celebrating their creative expression and almost um, identifying with that at the same time, you know. So um, most recently I conducted a, uh, a workshop with the author incubator. Um, Dr. Angela Lauria brought in a number of her coaches and I did a short, you know, TEDx-style presentation before launching straight into a workshop for two hours where every attendee walked away with at least a chorus and a verse of their own anthem, of their own truth, of their own journeys. And using that, I mean, think about it. Every film has that song that's like, the hero's here, you know? <laughs> now these other people have these songs of like, this is my hero song. This is my hero's journey. Watch me roar. You know what I mean? Like, and, and so now they're able to show up for themselves, for their clients, for their workplaces in a way that's like, I am, I may not be healed, but I'm on my way. Yeah. And with every sip of being on my way, I'm able to show up a better, healthier, happier employee, director, manager, CEO. It doesn't matter. You know, okay. we all, health is the journey. Not a, not yeah, a it absolutely is. It's not a one time kind of fix that could be done in one hour or one seeking event or one workshop, but, but right. sending that message, like this is just part of the journey. And these are some tools, um, to help you accomplish that. And in such a creative way too, that not a lot of people consider, you know, when, when we talk about mental health and wellness, a lot of it comes to, so very, still really relevant, but you know, a little played out. <laughs> Let's diversify this a bit, but it's usually like, yes, we know we need to breathe. Yes, meditation helps. Yes, exercise helps. Eating healthy, sleep, music, you know, well, playing. playing. Here's like, the thing, though. Yeah. Because when you're writing music, it's almost like a state of meditation. If you listen to like um, 
Abraham Hicks or Marianne Williamson or um, Jim Rohn or I don't know, whoever, Steve Harvey even. You know, they often talk about like this concept of alignment mm-hmm. or um, what's that? Yeah, there's like an, a number of different prayer, meditation, whatever. Right. When you are in alignment, um, that's when the songs come best. Yeah. And so my my role as a, as a coach is to help people of all ages, predominantly young people, to find the stillness so they can find an alignment and let their authentic selves out. And then, you know, the words of affirmation come into play. You turn those words of affirmation into the chorus, right? right? And now that you've got this so beat happening and the melody and everything's happening, now you're physically moving. So it's literally like everything that we historically yes, we know that breathing is important. Right. Breathing is also important for singing. That's true. Exactly. You know That's what I mean? Just, yeah. Um, it all comes together. You know, yeah. Posture is really important for singing as well. Yeah. Our, you know, around. Yeah. That, that endorphin, you know, mm-hmm. drive or whatever is, you know, comes about when you're dancing to your theme song. Yeah. There's just so much to it. <laughs> so I'm very excited about it. Oh, no, I love it. I love it. <laughs> and it works on so many levels. I'm just so glad that, I'm so glad that you're here in our DC community. <laughs> so glad to be here too. Thank working you. with our youth, working with our teens, helping parents connect their teens to this type of service. And then now in our workplaces, we know that D- DC organizations <laughs> can definitely use a nice, fun break that's also very healing. Yeah, and so we appreciate you being here in our community. And we're going to have a whole page dedicated to all of your different services connecting to you. If you want to see a TED Talk and YouTube video from previous coaching client, see that music video. Uh, is there anything else that you recommend for people to to do in order to either empower their youth or engage in some self-empowerment? Sure. Uh, well, the easiest way that I can think is that there's two things. One, you can hop on a call with me find out more about what I do but um if you are somebody who likes books mm-hmm. I do have a book called Reconnect Your Teenager A Parent's Guide to Helping Your Stressed or Anxious Kid Through the Art of Songwriting um and I'm about to make that available on my website but in the meantime you can grab a Kindle copy or a hard copy from Amazon awesome. just look up Emma G Reconnect Your Teenager Perfect. Thank you so much, Emma G, for being on our show today. We truly value and appreciate you. Thank you, Dr. Alexis. Likewise. Thank you so much. You've been listening to Wit and Reason on DC Radio. Make sure to check out witandreason.com slash DC Radio in order to access all of the resources we mentioned on today's show and to listen to some of our past shows. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts and on social media, including some really fun YouTube videos with the handle Wit and Reason. Let's keep the conversation going. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.